The following program is for informational and educational purposes only. This program does not replace medical, mental health, or psychological diagnosis and treatment prescribed by your personal physician, psychologist, therapist, or other health care provider. Please consult your provider for diagnosis and care before beginning or changing any program or idea discussed. Welcome to Psych Up Live with your host, Dr. Suzanne Phillips. If you're experiencing life, and we know you are, you may have a variety of questions about relationships, family issues, personal goals, coping with the unexpected, and much more. Today, you will hear some answers from a psychological perspective, and you may just take away something that fits. Here is Dr. Suzanne Phillips. Welcome. I'm Suzanne Phillips. Thanks for joining me today. Driven by ageism, there's a stereotype in this culture that aging equates to slowing down, striving less, increasing infirmity, feeling increasingly irrelevant, worrying about memory and cognitive dysfunction. Today, our guest, Dr. Andrea Brandt, draws upon her latest book, Mindful Aging, to refute this perspective. She uses theory and strategies to offer a radically different look of aging. In her words, aging does not imply being over the hill. It implies being on top of the hill. Dr. Andrea Brandt is a psychotherapist, a speaker, and the author of many books, including Eight Keys to Eliminating Passive Aggressiveness, Mindful Anger, and her latest book, Mindful Aging, Embracing Your Life After 50 to Find Fulfillment, Purpose, and Joy. Dr. Branch has appeared on television and can be heard on radio and in podcasts. She's a contributor to Psychology Today and has written blogs for the Huffington Post, Mind Body Green, Psych Central, and more. Dr. Andrea Brandt, it is my pleasure to welcome you to Psych Up Live. Well, Suzanne, it's my pleasure to be here. I'm very, um, I feel very strongly about this subject, and as you were talking about it, um, if we listen to the stereotypes of what society would have us mean about aging, it'd be like we're headed for the end. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. Um, (laughs) And I see it quite differently. I see it as an opportunity of a lifetime to grow happier, more confident, more loving, and more engaged at the same time you are growing older. Hmm. You know, mindful aging means accepting and embracing the changes that come with getting older. It means appreciating and making the most of the years we have left to live. And it means seeing life through the lens of realistic positivity. You can't always control what happens to you. But you can control how you interpret and react life's inevitable ups and downs. So maybe give us an example of that. How would you say someone would use realistic positivity if they've had some downs, Andrea? They've just been diagnosed or they just lost a good friend? Sure. You know, 
I contrasted in the book with poly, the Pollyanna optimism, which so many people have been accused of in their lives, like, oh, you're just Pollyanna, which is a view of life that expects positive outcomes without regard for the options of the negativity that comes with life. A realistic optimist is someone who looks at the bright side of life but has a realistic grasp on the present and what to expect. I mean, there's truly, um, it means seeing and accepting what is now. So someone who, God forbid, gets diagnosed with cancer they can grasp that. I mean, I had a diagnosis of that 10 years ago. So I had to see this as a reality and deal with it um, in the most proactive, realistic, positive way I could. So the diagnosis was made on Thursday. The tumor was removed on Monday, and I did research. So while I was doing research, I had my ups and my downs. You know, I was a little depressed, but then I would come out of it because I reminded myself that this is the reality. We have no conclusions. Let's not make assumptions, and let's not jump to conclusions either. And then I would get more research and get more information from people and dealt with it in a way that made me feel good about what I was doing and the decisions that I made, all the while knowing that this is, yeah, I would rather be doing something else. Right, right. But you're suggesting that you took charge of dealing with that illness and you got something from that sense of agency of saying, okay, this is my path. Let me see how I can make this work for me. Exactly, and it's my way, and uh, I allowed myself to know who I resonated with and know who I didn't. In other words, I met with four oncologists, and I knew who I felt good with, and I said to my husband, I said, I can't deal with going to any more I'm going to listen to what this guy says to me and do whatever he says. But I had scanned the field. Yes. In other words, when you're speaking about realistic optimism, we're not going to just hope we can jump over the water. We're going to realize if we have to build a bridge, we're going to figure out a way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so we have to be positive acknowledging the situation we find ourselves in, including its real cause, and then focusing on creating what we'd like instead and discovering the pathway that leads us to that end result. Okay. Now, one of the things that's different about your book and calling it Mindful Aging and even in facing a setback or challenge as as a cancer diagnosis would be, where do you use the mindfulness? I'm, I'm thinking our listeners are wondering, how's the mindfulness a part of this 
positive optimism or this realistic optimism? Well, mindfulness is a really good question, Suzanne, because mindfulness is really helpful because it keeps you fully aware, accepting the challenges um, that come with whatever the situation is, but you're in the moment. You're in the moment. So rather than falling into the spiral of, oh, my God, what if, or feelings of stress and anxiety or even depression about it, I gave myself some time to be depressed and anxious, and then I used the mindfulness to bring me back to being in the moment, what I had to do, who I had to call, who was the next patient I had to see. So I also held on to my responsibilities at work, but I was being mindful. You know, mindfulness helps a lot with um, regulating one's nervous system. So if you see really people who are in trauma are in the hyperactive place and, and their prefrontal cortex is shut down, or if they're not reactive enough, you know, they're in the freeze state, they've got nothing to regulate. But if you keep yourself in the middle, which is the window of tolerance, which is where you can be mindful and not reactive or impulsive, Um, If you keep yourself in the window of tolerance and you deal with these issues in a mindful way, you'll be able to expand the window of tolerance, which is what we all need to do because as we get older, can I swear, Suzanne? I think so. Okay. More (laughs) shit happens to us, right? Yes. (laughs) Okay. We get sick. Parents get sick, kids have accidents, people lose jobs, people get new jobs and get nervous about what its demands are. I mean, there's more stuff that we need to deal with. Yes. So mindfulness allows us to expand the window of tolerance while also dealing with whatever we have to deal with. Yes, I I think that's exactly right. And in in your book, um, I loved one thing you said, which picks up on this, that mindfulness, and if we think of it as the moment you step out of the fray to look at the flowers, to just take a breath, to pray, that gives you space, as you say, Andrea, to really regroup to lower the hyperarousal and right. what what it's it's hard to believe how valuable and powerful these moments of stepping out it's like that old expression stop the world i want to get off it's exactly. like a, it's like an ability to do that so you come back even if it was a few minutes of walking or praying or right. paint or painting or playing the piano you come back refreshed, and there's a very good chance you're going to make a better decision after what seemed like only, and maybe was only five minutes. Exactly. And you know, one of the key parts of mindfulness is being 
non-judgmental. So yes. you're not going to be judgmental about yourself. You're just going to be in the moment because in the moment, you're okay. Yes. Yes. I think it's a very, very valuable key to this journey. And throughout you talk, Andrea, that part of the goal, and it's what you described yourself as doing, is developing, correct me if I don't have this right, is developing a vision that really reflects your true self that you can reach for and strive for. Exactly. Exactly. No, I would agree with how you put that perfectly, Suzanne. Now, when I was reading about this, I began to think of the many couples I see or even individuals who will say, well, my vision is not her vision. When I think about what I love, I've been, you know, I've been watching the clock my whole life working. My vision of retirement is to take it easy, never look at a clock, and just do whatever I want to do. Her vision, her vision is to travel with groups, or her vision is to move near the grandchildren. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna, I'm raising with you the question: We sometimes may have competing visions. What right. do we do about that? Well, when you're when you're a couple, is what you're saying. Yes. Okay. Well, you know. Sometimes there can be, I always believe in the word negotiation, not compromise. Compromise, somebody has to give up something, so somebody's going to be unhappy whenever there's a compromise. But maybe you can negotiate, um, and each of you can get some of what that vision is for yourself. You know, if somebody wants to move near the grandchildren, that doesn't mean the other one has to spend 24-7 with the grandchildren. Right. They can negotiate where people can get a lot of what they want and learn new things. You know, nothing is static. I mean, stagnant. It moves. There's movement in life, and we move forward, we move backward, but we're always, even if we move backward, we don't stay back very long. We keep taking other steps forward, and so the person who wants to just hang out and do nothing might eventually one day get bored with that, Yes, but she might get bored while she's around grandchildren who are very creative. And she's taken them to dance classes, and she finds out they're dance classes for adults. <laughs> this is a great ending, yes. You know, <laughs> you never yes. know. <laughs> yeah. Well, what I like so much about it is that is the, the visions don't have to be put down, but when they take into account their relationship, it might actually offer not roadblocks, but opportunities. That's what you're suggesting. And if you yeah. can sit down and come from a place of love and have a conflict that from a place of love, that's beautiful. 
So in some ways, people's visions are ever developing. I think that's a good point because so often it's not what you say, and that's the importance of this book. You're talking about an evolving vision, starting out and seeing what comes from it. But there's a tendency in this culture, like we say to kids when they're headed to college, what college and what are you going to do after college? How could they possibly know? They've changed majors three times once (laughs) they're in the school, right? So I have so many people who start out in retirement with one plan and end up back teaching, deciding to take up golf, suddenly decide they want to go into music. So this idea that you're offering about going step by step and being mindful about it is really one that does offer a great deal of opportunity in, in in shaping vision. Yeah, exactly. So are you in a place that you did not expect to be? When we think back to your your own setback and that cancer diagnosis? Well, it certainly got me off my ass to finish one of my books and to do another one on on the eight keys to eliminating passive-aggressive behavior and then to mindful aging. So my bucket list, if you will, my vision of keeping my practice, which is my first love, But getting out of the office and being able to go out, write books, go out, talk to other people about them, and really espouse my views on things and make connections and engage with others is is just phenomenal. It's more than I could have dreamed of. (laughs) So it really is an example that when there's a roadblock or an unexpected turn, it often offers opportunities as well as whatever pain and suffering it might bring. Right. If you keep your eye on the opportunity, your whole mood is different. We're going to take Absolutely. a break. Yeah, okay. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about strategies for helping people develop their vision. But we're also going to talk about things that I hear so much, Andrea, in terms of regrets that keep people static worries, history. So stay with us, folks. You've been listening to Psych Up Live. We're here with Dr. Andrea Brandt, psychotherapist. Her latest book, Mindful Aging, Embracing Your Life After 50 to Find Fulfillment, Purpose, and Joy. We'll be right back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. What's your coffee story? The one that defines who you truly are in a relaxing setting. It's where you share your memories, plan for the future, and talk about the now. My favorite coffee story is here with host Aniko Samoji. We invite you to listen in and share your coffee stories, too. Bring your friends or just stop by as we talk about coffee and the inspiring stories that touch our lives every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific time on the Voice America Variety Channel. If you're considering adoption, there are a lot of questions that you may have which need to be answered by families that have adopted, by the adoptees themselves, and by professionals. 
Tune in to Adoption Unscripted with your host, Micah Johnson. We bring you many of the answers you're looking for. There are so many resources and advocates in the field of adoption. It's a life-changing experience across the board. We hope you'll tune in every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Variety. Where are you getting your advice on buying, selling, or maintaining your most important asset, your home? Is it from a reality show on cable TV, a comparison website, or are you just flying by the seat of your pants and gut instinct? Stop now before you make another move. Tune into Real Real Estate Today with host and realtor Deb Tomorrow. You can't afford to play guesswork when it comes to your new or existing home. Listen every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You are listening to Psych Up Live. Join in our conversation today by calling Dr. Suzanne Phillips or her guest at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Now back to Psych Up Live. Welcome back to Psych Up Live. We're here speaking with Dr. Andrea Brandt. She's drawing from her latest book, Mindful Aging. And we were talking about the journey into aging being one of a positive optimism, realistic optimism, and having opportunities where we never expect. But one of the things, um, Andrea, that I wanted to continue talking about is people really do get derailed by worry, regrets, etc. How does someone look forward to aging when they keep asking, and often they ask me, but do you think really I did all that I should have done with my kids? Do you think, wouldn't I have been happier if I hadn't gone to dental school and I had opened the business I wanted? Andrea, how do we help people not get locked into one place by regrets from the past? Well, yeah, sometimes a regret becomes the core of a cluster of emotions like sorrow, grief, and remorse over what you didn't do but could have done and should have done. And rather than wishing we could go back in time, what we should ask ourselves is whether we can take steps in the present to heal what was done in the past, if we hurt someone, if we turned right instead of turning left. You know, we might think about approaching a person and expressing our regrets, asking for forgiveness, seeking a way that we could atone, or, you know, how to repair. Repair is a very important word, in my opinion. How could we repair a situation that has left us feeling worried or full of regrets? And the sooner we realize that we can't change the past, okay, the more quickly we are motivated to doing something of value for ourselves and others in the present moment. Yes. You know, and, and 
there are healing worries or regrets is a process of self-exploration. Okay. You know, the emotion of love fuels us to behave in ways that then increase our feelings of joy and self-love. And, yeah. Well, one of the things that I, I really appreciate, and I think listen as well about what you're saying or implying is, if in fact you are aware of something you didn't do and you regret it, and there's any way you could make amends or address it, by all means do it. Sometimes it's something you can no longer do, but it doesn't mean in terms of from those people who have more of a spiritual bent, you cannot use prayer or a letter that you write to a person to in some way bring closure to the endless cycle of regretting. The right, other piece, because it doesn't serve you unless you want to just stay treading water in place. Yes. That, that's now, the only there, thing, because worry is preparation for nothing. <laughs> that is very true. And, and I like, at one point in the book you say, worry is giving all your energy to fear rather than to imagination. And right. I think it's... It's such a good line that in, in one of the sections of the book. The other right. thing that I say to people very often is when we regret something we didn't do, we are in fi- fiction. When we say, if I had married Joan, right. I would have, I, I say, we have no evidence of that. And how do we know that marrying Joan wouldn't have been a nightmare? It's all fiction. It's, it's fueled by... Fiction. You know, it's fueled by would have, should have, but we have no reality to prove any of that. So the other piece is to consider, are we going to spend time on fiction? Or as you say, are we going to go forward with life? Yeah, that's it. It's really a pivotal point that the person has to make a decision. Now, given that to be true, help our listeners know when you talk about vision and mindful aging, you talk about basing your future on some aspects of your true self and things you truly love. How can we help our listeners know themselves? Like some people will say, I wish I had a purpose. I wish I knew where to volunteer. I have no idea. Well, I think that people need to listen very carefully to their self-talk. What does that mean? They need to get in touch with their authentic self. You know, um, maybe some people have been in therapy or groups or um, they know if they use mindfulness, they can get in touch with that authentic self and listen to um, the self-talk, the stuff you feed yourself, like pablum. And a lot of it come from faulty beliefs, which I have in my book. Um, those are, it's in the chapter of letting go of what doesn't serve you anymore. You know, people yes. want to be victims, or they have all-or-nothing thinking, um, but they really need to explore their feelings 
ground themselves, you know, putting feet flat on the floor, really letting the floor hold their weight, hug themselves, which gives them a container to know that they're there. And um, it, they, that's part of expo- uh, exploring your authentic self as well as the self-talk. But also, a lot of people have a spiritual side. And spirituality means different things to different people. There's no, there's no wrong kind of spirituality uh, that will harm anyone. And whatever path people choose, it's right for them. And this is, you, you've paid your dues. You've done a life for others. You know, maybe you, for your boss when you had a job, maybe you raised kids, maybe you did both. But this one's for you. And you need to get rid of beliefs like, you know, perfectionism and procrastination and all kinds of other faulty beliefs. Um, There was another point I was going to make. Well, one of the big faulty beliefs you talk about is believing you're too old to do something. And I think at one point you say, and I really love this line, there's always a path to some part of what you dream about. Um, and you right. talk of people. You talk of people in their nineties getting certain degrees, and you know you don't have to become a Rhodes Scholar at ninety. But the no. impl- the implication is there's a way. Whether you, we've had seniors sitting into high school advanced math classes in this town. We've yes. had seniors join in with their instrument into the school orchestra at times. In other words, there's a way, and people. I think you talk about it a lot in the book. We're often surprised that you want me to come and talk to the seniors or you would like them to learn about magic in the fourth grade. It's amazing when you knock on doors and it's really your suggestion of finding a path that almost some version of everyone's dream could happen. Absolutely. And the the thing I wanted to highlight a minute ago is that if you follow my suggestions about, you know, mindfulness and uh, listening to yourself talk and challenging your faulty beliefs, if you follow that, at the end of that pathway is joy. Mm-hmm. And we don't have, and older people don't have enough joy in their life because they've got these societal notions of what aging is all about. Well, joy can be part of it. And I have an exercise in this book that helps people go through their decades and list what they did for joy that brought them joy. It's a great idea that going back, we were talking um, at the break about this, if you think back to what you loved when you were 10, when yeah. you were, I mean, it's amazing. It really is. It's phenomenal because why can't you do some version of that now? Mm-hmm. I, I really yeah. think, well, life often gets us so work-oriented or purpose-driven that 
we forget how much we liked nature or hiking or whatever it happens to have been. Yeah, exactly. I remember taking tap dancing. I used to do it as a kid, and I loved it. I went back in my late 60s and did tap dancing. That's a great example. Yeah. Yes, that's a great example. Yeah, so I allowed myself to feel a little klutzy, but that was okay. Yeah, it's a, those are the type of things. Um, I think also part of the knowing yourself is giving yourself permission to do something different than your family did. Yes, yes. Because there's the norms that when you retire, you're supposed to do this. Um, or when you're this age, you should be doing that. And we really want to really dispel those notions. Yes, and I think people need to start making decisions based on joy. Does this bring joy to my life? Because if it doesn't, (laughs) why bother? Um, I also think, and I think you hint at this, and I talk to people about this a lot, don't assume you have the whole answer till you start the journey. So right. if you start taking the tap dancing and it turns out you notice them doing creative dance in the room next door, you might end up in that room. That is, if you allow yourself to, I call it, break the cellophane, you often open up the package and you never know what's in it, but you have to break the cellophane. Right. You do. So it's, those are part of the strategies that you offer people. Um, what, do people what should people do if they get frightened of trying any of the things we're talking about? Well, they need to feel the fear. And as someone, I forget, Susan Forward, I think her name was, is feel the fear and do it anyway. Mm-hmm. She wrote a book about it years ago. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's uh, it was a successful book then, and today we have more tools. We can understand where the fear comes from, and um, uh, I I usually say to add to that, um, if you're frightened, then just add curiosity to the picture. Go yes. curious. Yes, curiosity is so important, you know, and it's how focusing on the qualities that we want to experience, vitality, loving connection, fulfillment, curiosity, and this adds meaning to your life. And they will, those qualities help you achieve what you want, your visions, your goals. I think you give such a good example. And I've had, we've even had some folks on the show talk about developing new aspects at work, developing new hobbies, even after a diagnosis. And their resilience and their creativity, I think you say you're never too old or age is not incompatible with creativity. It's an interesting thing that suffering, fear, even loss of someone you love, I love when you say you're going to feel them and that's real, but they're not incompatible with the joy and the laughter and the crazy adventures you might have. 
No, because there's no magical age at which we need to abandon our dreams and surrender our possibilities and know that in that arc, there will be ups and downs. It's really well said. I also I think we're really suggesting to our listeners, don't look at your chronological age and get stuck. No. Because because you're ageless in terms of creativity and joy and plans. There's Let always room for plans. Suzanne. My yeah. grandmother got divorced the second time at the age of ninety two. Okay. And when I said to her, Grandma, what are you thinking? (laughs) Why are you doing this? And she said, you know, he's just holding me back. (laughs) I love this woman. That's great. And she had six more years of, you know. Well, he was holding her back, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) We're going to have to take a break. You've been listening to Psych Up Live. We're speaking with Dr. Andrea Brandt. We're talking about really being ageless in terms of your vision and going forward in life. Stay with us. We'll be right back. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you checked out Teen Wealth Radio? It's a show for teens, their parents, and educators. Hosted by Brandy England. Along with regular weekly contributors, Teen Wealth Radio will cover the topics that teens need to talk about. Plus, we discuss a book of the week and a movie of the week. And each show will offer a challenge to our teen listeners that they can share on our private Facebook group page. Be sure to tune in to Teen Wealth Radio. Live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. Can you truly be a change agent in your community? We think you can. Tune in every week for Envision with host Thomas Rosenberg. The show is all about building an inclusive and just future by connecting people with ideas. Connect with what's happening in your community, your country, and around the world as Thomas speaks with amazing guests who are fostering change and making their communities better. Envision is heard live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to Psych Up Live. Join in our conversation today by calling Dr. Suzanne Phillips or her guest at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radiohostphillips 
at gmail.com. Now back to Psych Up Live. Live. Welcome back to Psych Up Live. We're here with Dr. Andrea Brandt, the author of Mindful Aging, Embracing Your Life After 50 to Find Fulfillment, Purpose, and Joy. Andrea, we were speaking about the ingredients that our listeners could take to foster this mindful aging, the aging that brings joy no matter what kind of setbacks you might face. And we were talking a little bit about connectivity. Right. I just don't believe that people should age alone. I think you need connections. And in the book, there's a whole chapter on how connections make a big difference in our lives. And friends, connections with friends, uh, partners, love relationships, connections with authority figures or parents, uh, strategies, and there's also strategies for forging healthy connections because it's we need to be engaged and it's a need we have that goes from the cradle to the grave we need to have relationships and um we we having a pet is also a good thing i mean that's a connection is uh it's a contract to grow old together it's so true. Pets are such a valuable piece to so many people. And I have some friends who were in their late 70s when they got their first pet. And it's a very wonderful, additional yeah. love, love person yeah, in, their, in their homes. And they, it's very important. You know, yeah. sometimes people's, people say, yes, you're saying connectivity. But if I can't get out of the house much, how am I supposed to be with people? Well... They can invite people over. Um, yes. They, you know, they can, if they're at all mobile, but not, you know, secure enough to leave the house, they can make meals and have people come over. Isolation I, I, is not, under any circumstances, a solution to loneliness. I love that idea because I have had some folks be so creative in terms of, I'm bringing my dinner, don't cook for me, I just want to join you. Yeah, exactly. Mm. But they need to remember that isolation is not the answer. I think you gave one very interesting example in the book of a woman who was turning someone's artwork into a book. And she did, in the end, a lot of things online. Her and her daughter, I think, had a project. So as much as that's another form of connection that, we, yes, uh-huh. seniors are can actually be tech savvy. Even though yeah. that's a that people yeah, think that that's not. Yeah, bring in someone who is. <laughs> right, right. Bring in a grandchild or bring in a youngster that you know. Because right. that's another way of connecting. Um, that's really a way not to have to be alone on this journey. The other right. thing you talked about about is feeling relevant. Yes, it's part of what drove me to write this book is I was hearing a lot of people that were feeling irrelevant, you know, and I think that if you volunteer, if you mentor uh, younger people, 
that you are giving them such valuable information and wisdom that will be invaluable to them. And I think that is so important, uh, volunteering someplace. You don't have to go and volunteer for the Red Cross if blood frightens you, but there's so many other organizations. Um, the, uh, the World of Reading is an organization out here, and there's so many people that have trouble with reading that we, it makes, it empowers us, it makes us feel good about ourselves, it raises self-esteem. I tell that to a lot of the clients I work with. You want to feel better about yourself besides the work we're doing here, go volunteer. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I also think the other side of this is worth saying, and that is those who are much, much younger, whether they're teens or people in their 30s, don't underestimate the talent, the wisdom, um, and the capacity for mentoring of the, in quote seniors in your life and the value that they can bring. I think the best card players in our family were always the seniors. They could have been in their 80s or 90s. They could play with teens and younger grandchildren better than than I ever could so yeah. sometimes because that's the other piece you don't have to be you know a, a master of languages to think you could give back or a nurse or a psychologist or whatever you know if you actually were great at a particular craft a skill played cards played dice whatever it is whatever right somebody's gonna enjoy it and you'll have the joy of sharing it yes exactly Exactly. Um, and, and, and we want, you know, I think I'm always struck, Andrea, how well teens and little ones get along with seniors. Um, it's almost like both groups have the time sometimes for mindfulness and to watch the Disney movies. And yeah. to, it, it's a very interesting, very nice matchup. No, I agree with you 100%. Now, um, when you thought about this book, um, what was your ultimate goal, Andrea, in writing this book? Oh, my ultimate goal was to help people that were older feel better about themselves, feel more relevant, become more active. When we take action, we just feel better and not to lay around. And I grew up in a very matriarchal society where they were productive into their 90s. Mm. So I have a real reaction when I see people just, you know, mopey-dopey. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right, I well, they think... some have been conditioned to be that way. That's why the book is such an important shout-out. To anyone at any at, at any age, how would people find and buy this book as well as your other interesting books on anger and passive aggressive behavior? Where th they can find them at all of them at Amazon. It, this book came out on Tuesday, and they can go on the website to agewithpurpose.com, and they can find me at a branch 
www.therapy.com or www, you know, whatever all that is, mindfulanger.com. Okay, that sounds great. Or mindfulaging.com, you know, either one. I'm like all over the web with these books. You 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 come you do come right up. They just have to Google you. But right on Amazon, if they put your name and the name of this book, Mindful Aging, you'll you'll have it. Now I asked Andrea. I want our listeners to know to read what I thought was a very powerful line um, in her book as right. the take home message. And I wonder if that you'd read that, Andrea. Sure. Remember, the present is where we can make a difference. And the future is always filled with possibility. We create a tomorrow we love by what we intend, believe, and do today. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dr. Brandt, for coming on Psych Up Live. I think you're an inspiration, and I think the whole idea that we can grow and have joy at any age despite roadblocks and setbacks, is a wonderful gift. Thank you again for coming on. Well, thank you, Suzanne, for inviting me. I so enjoyed talking with you and your audience. Thanks so much. I want to thank my listeners. Remember, you can hear this show and any prior show as a podcast on my host site, Voice America's podcast site, on your iPhone, on iTunes, Remember, mostly drop me a comment or question at radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Until next week, please take care. Thanks and be listening. Thank you for tuning in to Psych Up Live. Please join Dr. Suzanne Phillips for another edition of our programming next Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll talk more next week. Oh,